Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Turn the person next to you and just wave. Have a seat. Praise God. Praise God. Good to see you all. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome back. And uh, it's so good to see you. And it's so good to be back in church, isn't it? And uh, it is so awesome. And uh, I'm a bit nervous today because I'm not used to speaking in front of people. And uh, I'm used to standing up in front of a camera now. And, uh, and so it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but, you know, pray for me. I'll get through it. And uh, that sort of thing. So awesome. And um, we had another service on earlier today at 8.30. Uh, people Mar, we've got an 8.30 and 10.30 and that sort of thing. We're fortunate with the size of this room. Uh, we're allowed a couple hundred people in this room and that sort of thing. But we also have another service at 8.30. And so at 8.30, it's slightly different style of service. It's a little bit more stripped back. It's a three-piece and that sort of thing. And so uh, we still have a kids program there, but there's plenty of room. So if you're in the future thinking we're going to keep doing that until social distancing is removed. So if you want to keep doing that and come to that, then feel free to do that um, on 8.30 on a Sunday as well. Uh, we have a great service then, and uh, it's really, really cool. Well, it's so good to see you all again. And, um, you know, we'll get to pretty soon the main reason why you came, which is have a couple with everyone outside. Uh, but before we do, uh, I'm going to preach and share the Word of God with you today. And if you've been watching online, then you will know we've been doing a series here at church called Family Matters. And basically, we've been doing a series on fam uh, family relationships and that sort of thing. And, and you know, it's so, um, you know, the family is constantly and consistently under attack from the enemy. Uh, a few weeks ago, I preached a message online uh, on the letter of Ephesians, and it talked about the household code. We'd called it house rules. And basically, uh, the Apostle Paul was essentially saying that a healthy church and a healthy kingdom is made up of healthy families. And the enemy, if the enemy wants to divide the kingdom or pull the kingdom down, just one of the things he does is to try and destroy families and destroy the, uh, destroy the notion of family. So the first week we had a guest speaker online, Pastor Jürgen Matissius from Awaken Church in San Diego. I found out later that a number of husbands repented to their wives, which was awesome. Uh, and that was a really good one. And then I did my message based on the household code out of Ephesians. And last week we, did a, we had one on parenting. Uh, and we had Peter Malcolm, our head chaplain here at uh, King's, that did that, as well as Pastor Matt Triagas. Today, uh, I'm going to focus back on marriage. Uh, and because of time, I'm not going to preach my whole message. I've got seven points, and I uh, won't have time to do that today, um, which is good. It leaves me some for next time. Uh, but I'm going to preach a few um, points on it. And the, the title of my message today, in the series is Family Matters. The title of my message is Making Marriage Work. And I want to talk to you about seven words that make marriage work. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. And um, I don't hold myself up to, as an expert on the matter. Uh, however, two weeks ago, uh, we, Trish and I had our 20th anniversary, uh, which was great. So, uh, so we married when Trish was 13. Uh, and uh, it's been uh, absolutely, absolutely joyous ever since. And uh, so it's been uh, 20 good years and uh, it's been thoroughly enjoyable and thank you, darling, for putting up with me for that time. It's just wonderful. And so I thought today I'll talk about seven words that make marriage work, but in some ways it's almost a bit of a testimony as well. Seven words that have helped our marriage work. And so I won't go through all seven today, but we'll go through three or four. And I want to talk to you about some just some keys to having a healthy marriage. Who knows that the fulcrum of the household... Uh, is actually the marriage. 
Uh, and we have known in our society marriage is consistently and constantly uh, under attack. And so I want to talk to you today, not setting myself up as an expert in any way or some kind of guru, uh, but do want to talk to you about, se- and I know some of it. Who here has been married uh, over 20 years? Put your hand up. Oh, praise the Lord. Awesome. Very good. Uh, keep your hand up if you've been married over 30. Wow. Oh, put, keep it up over 40. Over 50. Oh, they're at the 8.30. Yeah. So, uh, so, <laughs> so congr- that is awesome. You know, on our 20th anniversary the other week, Trish and I went to a restaurant. The waiter came and uh, there was, you know, we had some flowers set up. I'd love to say... Uh, that I set the flowers up, but I didn't. Uh, Every time I have a really good momentous event for Trish, it's usually ladies around us who feel sorry for Trish that help out. And so Marianne and Ash decided that Trish and I needed to go out for our 20th anniversary, set us up at this nice place. We turn up there, there's a nice bunch of flowers. Uh, Trish looked at me as if, you know, I did it and I didn't want to, um, you know, so I took all the glory for that. Uh, But I just want to confess to you now, darling, I had nothing to do with it. But... Uh, and that sort of thing. And so all the waiters were coming over to us and saying, oh, congratulations, 20 years, that's like forever. Uh, you know, someone, people come say, they said, we, we don't know anyone who's gone more than two years. Uh, you guys are amazing. And we're looking at each other like, we are just getting old, aren't we? But, um, but yeah, so 20 years, looking forward to the next 20, and just some little thoughts, some words from the Scripture, and some keys to making marriage work. Okay. The first one is this. First word, loyalty. Loyalty. Proverbs 3 verse 3 says this, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. The first word that makes marriage work is loyalty. A loyalty between each partner. When each partner knows that they are the priority of the other, per- of the other person, It helps make marriage work. You know, you don't want to have a situation where one spouse feels like that the other partner is more loyal to other things. That literally when loyalty works is when each partner knows that they are the priority of the other person and the other person is completely loyal to them. The word loyalty is an old-fashioned word, but actually it means being loyal to the other person regardless of circumstances, through thick or thin for better or worse. Sometimes I've done a number of marriages, weddings, and um, sometimes, you know, people write their own, uh, they write their own vows. And, uh, you know, when I sometimes read their vows, I I sometimes think a little bit cheekily, well, they're going to find out. Uh, You know, they take away things like for better or worse, as if there's never going to be any kind of worse. But the reality is, you know, when someone is loyal, that regardless of what's going on, regardless of the situation, they'll stick close to you and stick together. We know a true supporter of a football team is someone, a loyal supporter, is someone who will support them no matter what. Put your hand up if you're a Titan supporter here. You're the most loyal person here, Trev. The only person. Put your hand up if you'd follow the Titans if they won a premiership. You're liars. You're liars. Because I know for a fact if the Titans won a premiership, people would be rocking up with Titans jerseys and that sort of thing. And we, Trevor's going to look at you and say, you Johnny come lately. 
Where were you during the tough times? Where were you when no one would watch our games? That's why they let the Titans play here because every game has social distancing because no one actually goes to follow them and that sort of thing. But I promise you, if they became successful, then all of a sudden all these people would jump on the bandwagon. But who knows that bandwagons aren't supposed to be in marriage? They're literally, when it comes to marriage, there's a loyalty for better or worse regardless. And I'm not trying to be rude here, but... Um, I've, I've always said that probably the sexiest thing about marriage is loyalty. The fact that you're married to someone who was with you when you were struggling, who was with you when everything was going wrong, and has also been with you in the good times. I know myself, there's been times when Trish had, were unable to pay bills, when we had times when we had dire financial circumstances, when we had times when we had a lot of external pressure. I remember when we first got married. I love the fact that she didn't marry me for my money when we first got married. Why? Because I had none. Had nothing. <laughs> we met at Bible college and she still liked me. And I thought, well, that's good. You know, you hear about famous people. People are successful in some field. They find it very, very difficult to know whether someone is interested in them for the right reasons. Why? Because I haven't been with them through the good times and the bad. And in the same way, loyalty means we go through the good times and the bad. We all have ups and downs, but there's something powerful about having someone standing next to you that you've been with for a long time, that you've been through the highs and you've also been through the lows. There's nothing that can come between you because there's a loyalty that happens between the two of you because you know that they were each other's priority. I mean, I can imagine that you know the story of Samson and Delilah and the big issue there was Delilah had other priorities. She was more loyal to other people than she was to her own husband. And it's one of the major reasons why that thing fell apart. In the same way, loyalty, I know it's not a modern word, and I know it's not a contemporary or sexy word, but it is a Bible word. And loyalty is something that will help keep a marriage together. For better or worse, no matter what's going on, the highs and the lows, loyalty. The second word that makes marriage work, is trust. It's trust. Proverbs 31, 10 or 11 says this. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. Proverbs 31. I know when I said that, some of the feminists in the room rolled their eyes. Proverbs 31. Here we go again. But Proverbs 31 is actually talking about Virtuous woman. I remember when Trish and I first got married, uh, first met in 1998. And uh, we met at Bible college. And her story, this is no word of lie, and of, clearly it must have been of God. But when she, she looked at me, she said she fell in love with me straight away. That everything went fuzzy all around, you know, because she was a bit hard of sight and that sort of... And um, so clearly that was of God because that wasn't normal. So, um, and so she felt that, but... When, when I first met Trish, I thought she was clearly very attractive, but I didn't felt God was telling me I was going to marry her or anything like that. And then I remember after about a year, Trish and I got to know each other a bit, a bit better. We're hanging out a fair bit and that sort of thing. And I remember one day I just had this, God really spoke to me and he showed me Proverbs 31 and he showed me the virtuous woman. And in that, I realised Trish ticked every one of those boxes. And I thought, this is the person... I am supposed to marry. Now notice this. It says, his heart safely trusts her. 
So what that means is she doesn't do anything to undermine his trust. It's the same the other way. A husband shouldn't do anything to undermine the trust of a wife. In fact, when trust is gone in a relationship, it's very hard to keep it together. If one person or both people do something to violate the trust of another, it's very hard to get back. That's actually the same in leadership as well. If you're a leader and you violate the trust of people, it's very hard to actually get that trust back. And the way trust works is you've got to keep making trust deposits. You've got to keep doing things to build trust and very rarely take any deposits out. It's very easy to take a deposit out. And so, uh, and so when you've got trust present, you're not forever worrying about where they're gone when you don't know where they are. There's times that Trisha's going out and that sort of thing. I don't know where she is. I don't have a second thought about it. Well, I do because I know she's probably shopping. But um, because over the years, there's been a build-up of trust. Now, I'd love to say she's never lied to me, but she has once. Uh, And it was in 2007. And I remember it clearly. I don't remember what she lied about because what she lied about wasn't very big. It actually wasn't a big deal. And I remember I'd said something to her at night and, I, and she gave me an answer. I said, oh, yeah. Next day, next night, she came to me crying. And she said, oh, I feel so terrible. She said, I lied to you last night. And what, it wasn't actually a big lie. It was a very small lie. I tell them all the time. No, just kidding. And, um, and, and she, but she felt so bad about it. She, from that moment on, I'd complete trust. Not forever trying to send private detectives to figure out where she is. Not worried about who she's talking to or on her phone or who she's messaging. Because over the years there's been trust. That's why one of the best things you can do as a spouse is to do things that will build the trust of the other spouse. You might think, well, why does it matter? Who cares? But actually, if that's what they need for trust to be built, then you need to do it. That's why, you know, Trisha and I, we have... Lots of friends, you know, people we consider friends of the opposite sex, but I don't have any girlfriends that I just go and hang out with. And, you know, I don't leave home and, um, and, and Trish goes, where are you going? I say, I'm just going to go to a cafe with such and such hangout. No, that doesn't happen. Why? Not because I'm going to do anything, but because I don't want her to have any kind of undermining of that trust. And it goes the other way as well. It's actually incumbent upon us to help the other person when it comes to trust. And if we undermine that trust, then we do need to understand it's actually going to take a little bit of time to build up. You can't just say, oh, look, I'm sorry about it. I feel bad. It's never going to happen. No, no, no. There's now a trust deficit. And now you've got to start putting trust back in the bank. Eventually, till that trust actually builds up. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen in in couples and in relationships where one or both have strayed and that sort of thing, made an error, made a mistake, an error in judgment. They have managed to get back to that place of trust, but it's taken a bit of time. And both sides need to understand that might actually take time. One of the things that keep a marriage glued together is actually trust. And I'm going on this point way longer than I thought I was going to. But I just sense that maybe amongst people in this place, there's some trust issues going on. And you need to understand that maybe if I'm the person, if I've done something wrong, I need to do things to rebuild trust back again. And if you rebuild that trust, you'll be able to rebuild marriage. Amen. The third thing 
is this. Generosity. Proverbs 31, 20 to 21. It says she extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her, for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. The third word is generosity. Notice this. This is one of the characteristics of what we call the Proverbs 31 woman. But also, too, as men, we can take that on as a value as well. Clearly, this is a desirable value for us to have in our lives. Um, the Apostle Paul even said this. He said, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So a generous person is someone that is actually an attractive person as well. Notice this. They weren't just generous to the needy and the poor. They were generous to their own family as well. It says that she was generous to the needy, but also generous to her own kids, generous to her own household. And generosity is there is considered highly of value. Now, I understand that this is something coming from my perspective. And so, but for me, generosity, uh, having a generous wife, is something I find incredibly attractive. I've told, I told this story online uh, a few weeks ago. And that was when uh, we'd been flooded in the Brisbane floods and you've got to replace everything in your house. And we needed a washing machine. And so at that time, you know, charities and other organisations were donating things to you. And I came home one day and my whole focus was just rebuilding our life. Just get, you know, we've got to focus on getting ourselves going and that sort of thing. But I came home and there were three washing machines, brand new washing machines in the garage. I said to Trish, I said, baby, you can't do that. Just because they're willing to give us just doesn't mean we can just grab three washing machines. And she looked at me and she says, listen here, stupid. No, she didn't say that, but she thought it. Um, she said, those other two washing machines aren't for us. They're for other people. So whilst I was trying to rebuild our life, she had been out with the other neighbours and getting things for them. I've got to tell you, as a husband, that was a very attractive quality. Generosity here is saying generous to others, but also generous to your own family. Taking care of both is actually something that's very desirous when it comes to a marriage relationship. And that's what it actually says in Proverbs 31. It also means that generosity is an indication of faith. We all want to be people of faith. We all want to be married to people of faith as well. And part of that is expressed through generosity. Trish and I have had a lot of different seasons where we've had to take some incredible faith steps. We moved to Brisbane and we started a Bible college without any pay for six months. We've done a number of, when I went itinerant full-time on the road uh, for, for a year as well. And there's, oh, sorry, for six years. And there's all these little faith steps that we went on. And I thank God that I was married, um, well not was, um, uh, married to Trish where she was um, happy to do that and take those steps of faith in the area of finance. And what that, taught, what that did for me was it showed me, it really helped me, even to another level, appreciate the wife that I have. Generosity is something indicated here as something that's desirable. And the fourth one is this, and we'll finish with this one. The fourth word is security. Security. John chapter 13, verses 3 to 5 says this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he'd come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and lay aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. The fourth word 
is security. So watch this. It says Jesus knew all things had been given in his hands, so he knew what he had. He knew he would come from God and was going to God. So he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. It says that very clearly. Then it says he washed his disciples' feet. So what that means is his service came from a position of personal security. Personal security. So insecurity can be a killer in relationships. Because if you're insecure, you're forever trying to extract from the relationship. Forever trying to extract. But if you've got a confidence in God and you know who you are and you know he's got a plan for your life, then it's no issue for you to come in to serve the other person. The thing about marriage is this, that marriage, as you would all know, those who've been married a long time, marriage is not about what I can take from it. When we marry, we come into it and it's about focusing on what we give into it. You know, there's a well-known passage of Scripture in Ecclesiastes that says a threefold cord is not easily broken. So the way you build a threefold cord is this, you have a central cord, and you have two other cords that wrap around it. They wrap around the central cord. That's what keeps the cord together. And I've, that's a very well-known passage that people request at weddings and that sort of thing. And, and I've heard people talk about it and they've said, see, you know, you need God in the middle. If God's in the middle and you wrap around him, everything's going to be okay. But I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of Christians divorce. So having God in the middle is actually not enough. The thing that binds us together is actually love. And it's a God kind of love. It's agape love. Agape love is a self-sacrificial love. It's not about what I can get out of this. It's about what I can put into it. It's about what I can, the value that I can add to the other person. I'm not coming into this to extract from myself. I'm coming into this to give into this relationship. If you come into marriage with a consumer-minded mentality about what out, whatever I can get out of this, it won't last. But the thing that'll keep it bound together is coming into marriage with the attitude that I am going to come into this and selflessly love the other person, regardless of how they change, regardless of what happens through life. If I come into this with the attitude it's not about what's in it for me. Now, this is so countercultural. The world doesn't teach this. But I actually think that's probably why we have more divorces than ever before. Because people come into relationships extracting. What am I going to get out of this? How are you going to add value to me? It's not how it works. The way it works is I come in and we covenant. Your marriage is the only real covenant you have, to be honest covenant relationship. We've got a covenant and you've got a covenant between you and God and a covenant with your spouse. And we come into this situation, not about what I can get. It's not a transaction. What are you going to bring to the table? This is not business. This is what I'll bring. This is what you bring. If you don't do that, then I'm out of here. No, no, no. We both come in sacrificially, secure, knowing that we know who we are in God. One of the things I've observed in marriages is that God causes us to marriage people who are quite, marry people who are quite different from us. Have you ever noticed that? Like, 
for those of you that are married, some of you are saying, looking at me like, don't, I don't want to say anything, she'll kill me. No, um, but I think it's to help complete us. It's to help complete us. That's why the Bible says that when you get married, the two become one flesh. Now there's a physical connotation to that, but there's also an emotional and spiritual connotation. We can kind of complete each other. I remember when I was single, I was single a lot longer than what I wanted, you know. I look back and realise I wasn't single that long at all, but, you know, I got married at 28 or 27, something like that. I forgot. So long ago now. And all my friends were getting married and I felt like I was the loser. And I felt like I was being left out. I remember I would go to weddings and they'd always sit me, the, the bride and groom were always trying to set me up with their cousin or something and set me up at the table next to their cousin and that sort of thing and trying to hook us up and all that sort of thing and you know it didn't work and and I was lonely I remember feeling lonely there's nothing wrong with feeling lonely if you're single by the way it's kind of normal that's why the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2 that even though Adam had an unbroken perfect relationship with God he still felt lonely you know so you don't have to put on a mask and say if you're single and say well I don't need a man I don't need a husband. I got the Lord. He's my husband. You know, no, no, you're probably as desperate as everyone else, okay? But it's okay to feel like that. And I remember when I was single, I felt like that. And then I remember God speaking to me and saying that when you meet your bride, your wife, you'll feel complete. That ache in your heart will go. It's exactly what happened. Started going out with Trish. That ache in the heart left she completed me I know some of you took notes there and um, there was a completing but not a competing does that make sense and as we came in I realised there's things about her that were different from me things about me very different from her not coming in to extract but just coming in to partner coming in to serve each other as best we know how and as a result I believe it's one of the keys personal security don't come into that relationship thinking what you can extract from it you come into thinking about what can I put into it what can I give and I promise you those are four words that I think help marriages words such as generosity words such as loyalty words such as trust and words such as security. They're all things that will help us have strong marriages. And if we have strong marriages, then we can have healthy homes. And if we have healthy homes, then we're gonna have a healthy church. And if we have a healthy church, we're gonna continue to be a forever extending, expanding, enlarging representative of the Kingdom of God, amen? So my prayer for you, everyone here is this. My prayer is that God will help every single one of us here to have healthy homes and have healthy marriages. You know, one of the things that God spoke to me about before we came to Kings, didn't know anything about Kings. Phil God say that Kings is gonna be known as a church with, of healthy families. That we're gonna be the kind of church and already kind of are. We're great grandma, grandma, mum and dad, grandkids, all part of the one church. That's what I felt God say about the life of our church. But the centrepiece of all of that is a healthy marriage. Amen. That's why the devil tries to attack it.
knows he can blow it all up by getting in the midst of marriage. So what I want to do is this. I want to pray a blessing on you. I want to pray God's flavour, God's favour upon your marriage. So if you're married, and even if your spouse isn't here today, that's okay. You want to stand to your feet? And I want to pray for you right now. Honey, that means you've got to stand up. Thanks. And if your spouse is with you, you're actually allowed to touch their hand. Don't touch the hand of the person on the other side. Don't do that. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every married couple here and every person that's married. And I just ask and pray that you would help them in their home. I ask and pray, Lord God, that you would help them in their marriage. I ask and pray that you help them to make it fulfilling. Help them to make it strong. Help them to make it continually lasting, Lord God. Because I know that's a centrepiece of so much that you want to do in and through their life and through the lives of others. I pray for those that are needing to rebuild trust. I pray that you help them. I pray for those, Lord God, that um, felt stretched in the area of generosity. I ask and pray that you help them. But I pray for every single person here whom God has joined together. Let no man separate. May they have healthy, blessed marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. You can stand on your feet. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.